Worlds are colliding. George Costanza. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Felonious Pundits. I am Kentab Svensgard. Along with me, as usual, please say hello to Mr. AJ Mass. I think this is going to be a beautiful episode. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you? Oh, yeah. I I mean, you kind of prepped me last week, but little did I know. What I was in store for. AJ. You were were not told there would be no math. (laughs) Oh, gosh. This is a podcast about the show Criminal Minds. Each week we recap and take an in-depth look at an episode of the show. I have never seen this show before. AJ is a seasoned veteran, so we'll be presenting those perspectives to you. Uh, of the episode, and this week's episode is season four, episode number eight. Is that what we're on? Number eight, AJ? And it is entitled Masterpiece. Oh, and it was. (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, written by Edward Allen Brunero. And hey, look at the director. I, I perked up immediately when I saw this, Paul Michael Glazer. Glazer? Glazer? I've always said Glazer, but I don't know if that's the way to pronounce it. But uh, if you're an olden, like uh, <laughs> some of us may be, an old, an elder god, you remember, don't ask, uh, you remember Paul Michael Glazer, of course, as Starsky in the show Starsky and Hutch, which uh, was a cop show, for those of you who don't know, back in the Mid to late 70s. So. And you said Hutch, not Hotch. <laughs> yes. Star- Starsky and Hotch are actually, uh, we almost could have gotten a scene of that, actually. But we, <laughs> That's very we, true. We, we did not. Uh, this episode originally aired November 19th, 2008. And my alternative title for this episode, AJ, instead of Masterpiece, would have been Believe it or not, George isn't at home. <laughs> Yeah, okay, sure. Um, I thought Masterpiece was actually the appropriate title for this. (laughs) Um, Quite the Masterpiece. But yeah, okay, if I had to go with a new one, how about uh, The Human Fund? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? We start our episode after Paramount Plus tries to convince me to watch something called Wolfpack. (laughs) Okay, let me just go on record here. Don't watch Wolfpack. Okay. It, I, I've watched the pilot. No. Just no. Stay away. Stay away. Sarah Michelle Geller, what did you do? Oh, no. So we get a typically flash cut op- episode opening that Criminal Minds likes to do with black and white uh, scary flashes. We see... Some house looks like to be in a a rural setting. We see very briefly a flash of a woman. We hear some screaming kids. We hear sinister music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We pull away from the house 
we see a white van driving away. And then we're at ground level and we travel with the camera down under the ground, past the bugs and the worms. Oh, a beautiful, a beautiful homage to Blue Velvet. <laughs> I just went, oh, a lynch shot. Awesome. That was about the last time I said awesome in the episode. but. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we come down into, I'm going to call it a container. It feels like it was a container buried under the ground that had like a vault door on the yeah, container. Yeah. Is that accurate enough? Some secret hideaway bunker. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, kind of reminiscent of, of, this whole episode is reminiscent of Dan Brown gone bad. So, <laughs> Good way to put it. Uh, in the door, the vault door, as I called it, there's a, a camera set up. And we hear the audible clicking of it. That's fine. And I'm just kind of wondering why he had to have the video. So he has a camera and then he has a video uh, camera attached to the camera. And so he's got a video of the... <laughs> Of the camera pictures being taken, but he has audio too. I I, I, I was kind of confused at the reason for this whole setup. But uh, this this entire episode is a little bit more <laughs> art than substance. <laughs> yeah, and it's taking pictures of the people that are locked inside this container. Uh, it's clearly a woman and some small children. And then the camera pans onto the other side of the vault door, and it sort of goes back. And there's a room there with a computer set up, and it has some famous artwork, but there's superimposed over all of these famous paintings, geographical shapes, <laughs> geometric shapes, I'm sorry, geometric shapes, uh, grids, that type of thing. And it's over, for example, The Last Supper, uh, The Vitruvian Man, The Mona Lisa, which is my second Mona Lisa reference in, in pop culture, if you've watched Glass Onion. You'll uh, remember yeah. that reference as well. Oh, excuse me. Glass onion. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the case is closed again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and then we swing over and see that there's a computer connected to the camera. We can see a view of the woman who comes up to the door and looks dead in the camera. So we're looking as if we're looking right at her. And she's screaming. She screams the name Amy, AJ. <laughs> I can't tell you. Do we learn who Amy is in this episode ever? Look. Who is, she's, who is, she's, who is Amy? I'm, after watching the episode, I still don't know. Is that, was, it, was it one of I the kids? It? Was it one of the kids? Maybe. I, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Are we sure it wasn't just bad, bad captioning and she was saying, save me? I don't know. Yeah, I, I did... Go with the captioning on that, so that you could be right there. But a lot of the, the, the Paramount Plus uh, closed captioning leaves an awful lot to be desired, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, so I, I didn't catch that, but again, I wasn't paying that close attention because I do not. <laughs> didn't matter. I didn't really. Didn't, that part didn't matter. Uh, yeah, it was just a nice little visual montage, a little different to mix it up to start the episode. Uh, and and okay, we've got a case. We know there's there's kids and a woman in danger, and of course, the next shot has to be Ro Rossi and Reed in front of a college classroom. Sure, yes. <laughs> logical jump from <laughs> from one scene to the next. Yes, so Reed and Rossi are giving a lecture to these students about pursuing a career in the FBI. 
Um, and they talk about how you can study anything. They ask them, well, what did you guys study? And Rossi gives a quick, oh, criminal justice. And he does a quick little community college joke and has a good rapport going with the kids. So that prompts Reed to list out his three doctorates, his two BAs. And of course, he's working on another BA in psychology. And you immediately see a lot of the students' eyes glaze over her and like, what is this dude talking about? They even ask him how old he is. And it reminds Reed as he talks about, oh, I'm I'm working on another BA in psychology. And uh, that reminds me of this joke. And so he tells a joke, which I'm not even going to really repeat. It's a how many does it take to fill in a light bulb type of joke about existentialism? Yay. Yeah, uh, it, uh, <laughs> it's 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 not a good joke, <laughs> and no. and 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 the collective uh, silence that falls over that room. I, I mean, normally <laughs> I tell this episode to stop padding and get on with it, but I could have sat with that silence for another minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Just everybody staring at Reed, like. Uh... And, and, and the best part is that Reed's kind of to himself, going. <laughs> Yeah, Reed, Reed is loving it. <laughs> this is delight. Oh, what a delightful bon mot. <laughs> so uh, Rossi smooths it over kind of with his charm and, you know, makes a little joke about Reed. To be, we got to stop him before he makes some kind of a knock-knock joke. And he threw another big word in there, which I didn't write down and I'm not thinking of right now. But the students laugh and... Uh, he asks if they have any more questions and they say, well, have you ever shot anybody? Which I would think would, of course, be a typical question in a situation like this. Yes. And they just kind of stare at each other uh, and we don't get what answer they told the kids. Yes. And, and, and of course, while this whole presentation is going on and then we're getting to see that uh, for some reason – Ancient Rossi has a much better rapport with the college kids than young Reed, but we expect that. That's totally true to the characters. Uh, in the back of the room, a disheveled Colonel Sanders-looking guy comes in and takes a seat to join the lecture. And normally you just go, oh, that's kind of odd. But if the Colonel Sanders of it all wasn't enough, I mean... You have to just start laughing, don't you, when you when you recognize this immediately as Jason Alexander dresses Colonel Sanders. So I didn't recognize him until the next scene because it, oh, really? it was because I wasn't I was just like it was like a it was in the background, sure, yeah, it was yeah. Like a flash to my mind and I I wasn't attaching a por- importance to it yet, so I just kind of glanced and didn't really but yes, uh we'll we'll get into <laughs> We'll get into Colonel Sanders here. I have another, I have another uh, interpretation of what he looked like. I th- oh, please, yes. Let's get, I, let's get, let's get to it. Let's go get through the other scene first. <laughs> yeah, uh, we ha- cut to our other scene, and it's Agent Todd who's talking to a detective who's visiting. And hey, the detective is Starsky, so he not only directed this episode, he made a brief appearance in it. So good to see Paul Michael Glazer. And uh, they're discussing about a case that he wants the BAU to take on. And Agent Todd makes a rather unfortunate phrasing that we know, of course, JJ would never have have done. But let's give Agent Todd a break. She is new to the job. But she says, I'll talk to the team. And if they're interested, they'll call you. And, oh, the detective is like, if they're interested. Oh, my gosh. He feels slighted, basically, like. 
he's not important enough. His case only has one dead person. Yeah, no I'm peanut sorry, butter. Murder isn't interesting enough for you. Yeah. Uh, no peanut butter and covered people with decapitations or anything like that. And uh, Morgan's passing by, and I guess he hears this going on, so he steps in to kind of smooth things over with his Morgan charm. And uh, he does calm down the detective, and he's telling him, oh, you know, I'm supervisory agent Derek Morgan. I, I'll, I'll call you personally once we yada, 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 kind of shines him on a little bit. And so the detective, uh, it sort of works, basically, and he, he leaves. Instead of thanking Agent Morgan... Agent Todd is furious. She's mad at him for basically coming into the room and diminishing her authority. I am 100%, 100% Team Todd on this one here. Uh, come on now. Come on now, Morgan. I am not the damsel in distress. I, he at least should have given her a chance to get out of it. Yeah, agreed. Although I thought her fury was coming on a, a little bit strong. But I, 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 I get it, too. Uh, yeah, she yeah. was like, come on, homie. But I had two thoughts during this scene. The, I mean, the first thought we already told you was, hey, Starsky's there. Uh, and, this, <laughs> and the second thought, AJ, was Morgan and Todd are totally going to wind up doing it, aren't they? <laughs> that, was, that was my second thought. Uh, are you trying to say that a character they introduced as... <laughs> Hey, baby, I'm going to get my coffee a second time so I could hit you up. Oh, hi, Agent Derek. I know who you are. You mean a, a, a meet cute that starts like that? They may not try to pay off at some point. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, please. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess you'll see. <laughs> right. So now we cut to the scene, and, it, and, and this scene almost made me question my motivation to continue with this whole thing, <laughs> AJ, the, the, the whole show. Uh, but at, at the same time, I kind of loved it and hated it. <laughs> We're back at the college and Rossi is kind of chastising Reed for his non-cool, unhip approach to talking to the students. After all, they actually do want people to want to join the FBI. <laughs> they get interrupted and... It is by our Colonel Sanders lookalike, Jason Alexander, long white wig on. Actually, for some reason, I thought of the Brent Spiner character in Independence Day when I saw him. Okay. Uh, Okay. You're thinking, you're thinking, yes, yeah, not, not, not his kind of uh, hippie Nuni and Sung kind of character that he plays in that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, just the I, just the hair and the sort of. It's just such an unnatural look. Period. It's not it's, that it's a different look for him. I am totally fine that they go in a completely different direction than George Costanza. Give him hair, absolutely. Uh, it's just a bizarre combination of the clothing, the hair, and this kind of whispery voice with the sing-song nature <laughs> okay i this is uh, this is my elephant in the room i don't actually hate this episode but i think the casting of jason alexander could have been better utilized for some other purpose in this show i 
I just didn't feel, I felt taken out of it with his character it, it, and it, it was because yeah. of him and I, what I, I expected totally from him. I understand what you're saying. It's, he is so identifiable with George Costanza now that you forget that like one of his first roles is a rapist in Pretty Woman. Like he can oh, play yeah. Oh, yeah. a sick evil character. Um, it's just after all the George of it all, mm-hmm. it's really hard for him to be anything else. And I, while I appreciate the effort, uh, certainly the star power is going to bring people in to watch right. this episode. Right. I know people who have watched like two episodes of Criminal Minds, and this is one of them. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Hello, Rob Sister. You know, I know you're not listening, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Kiva, like, like they, 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 you know, they watch this. I, really. <laughs> It totally felt like he was in a different show than the rest of the the cast to me. The, like the tone, the sort of evil, mad scientist, mad professor kind of tone. And I think that might have been a directoral issue that I'm it, having. Yeah, you're, you're, you're talking about a director who's not a regular director of the show. You're talking about this casting. It's also not... a. A normal script for the show because a lot of this episode is going to be in the interrogation room and it's not going to have anything to do with the investigation um long monologues and whatnot so it's like it's just a really different animal to begin with so i guess if you're going to throw it all at the wall let's throw it all together at once uh and see what happens and like you said this is not a bad episode it, it it's just it's hard to take the entire episode seriously. <laughs> exactly. It really is. Um, I don't know if it would have worked with somebody else because I think for me the charm of this is how stupid it is. <laughs> in, in a way. And like this this unsub is so bad <laughs> at what he's doing that that I think in the end it actually does work. But uh all right, we could discuss that at the end. But yeah, just this introductory scene where he's just like, I think I have a better punchline to that joke you told. Right, exactly. Uh, he introduces himself. He's Professor Rothschild. And uh, at first kind of impresses Reed because he's he's uh, he's saying he likes what Reed is doing. He's, he's a brilliant, like he recognizes Reed as doing a great job trying to get people to join the FBI in fact, he has something for him and hands him a file and Reed opens it. And there's some disturbing looking pictures, but you can't quite tell what's in them. I mean, they're all of, of women in somewhat striking or traumatic yeah, poses. They, there are a bunch of pictures that all look like they could be uh, on the movie poster for the movie Quarantine. Or rap, depending on which version. <laughs> right. It's just that's just like woman blur motion. Ah. <laughs> and so the guys are like, "Okay, uh, what is this?" And we're going to find out who our unsub is right away, AJ, because he starts talking about uh, Professor Rothschild starts talking about uh, these are seven homicide victims, seven women. These uh, their bodies have never been found. And no evidence of them, not a fingernail, not a hair fiber. Acid is a very tidy way of disposing of someone, is it? So clearly, all of a sudden, this guy is claiming to know about some killings. And so they ask him if he's killing these women. And he says, well, there's time to still save the others. So they're like, others? 
yes, five more, he says. In a bit less than nine hours, five other people are going to be dead unless you can find a way to save them. <laughs> and we got to credits. Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, it's Criminal Minds. Bing, <laughs> oh brother <laughs> I just just the way they go into the credits is also different for the show is he tosses the photos into the air oh yeah and they spiral down it's like for, what is this no clownery <laughs> what is this clownery absolutely no reason for that aj except for they want to do like some weird slow mo no, shot you know what i actually have an idea i actually have an idea i believe <laughs> I believe Jason Alexander has never seen the show before. <laughs> and they did the take seriously. And he said, I have but one for me. And he just did it. <laughs> and it looked cool. And they say, oh, you know, that works. <laughs> oh, boy. So we come back from the credits. We're in Hotch's office and he's uh, busy working. And we get Rossi voicing over our opening quote. Let us consider that we are all insane. It will explain us to each other. It will unriddle many riddles. Mark Twain. Okay. Sure. I like the quote. Yeah. I, I don't know what it has to do with the episode. <laughs> no, but... All right. Uh, so then we have uh, Agent Todd coming into Hotch's office. She's still hot under the collar. She's trying to find out if anybody is talking any smack about her job performance. Hotch clearly has no clue what she's talking about. And so after sort of working her way around it without ever getting to the point with them, she just sort of thanks him and, and leaves. As she's leaving, Prentice is walking in. Hotch asks Prentice what's wrong with Todd, and Prentice doesn't know. So he tells her to, to keep an eye on her because something's wrong. <laughs> I just like the fact that Prentice doesn't know because Prentice doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, Prentice could give two. Yeah. I, I, that's quite obvious there. What's wrong with her? Oh, <laughs> something wrong with her? <laughs> I'm just looking for a report. <laughs> yeah. So in the meantime, Hotch is going to ask Prentice for some coroner's report for some case they're working on. And she's like, wait a minute. I just, you know, gave the basic information for that last night. Do you ever sleep? Clearly Hotch is still on his. He's been this way for a while since his uh, since his breakup, his divorce. So yeah, since, since he's since still he, this way. Yeah. He, he, what has he got to go home to? Yeah. He, 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 Haley's not there. Jack's not there. It's like, ugh, I'll just stay here at the office of work. Yeah. I like I like this subtle way to get that across, though. I, I think that was really nicely done. So Hotch basically just tells her to go get the report so he can close this case. She's she's like, yes, sir, because. She, She's smart enough to know Hotch by now, like when you want to argue with him and when you don't, which in most yes. cases you don't. So she uh, just yes sirs and leaves. At that moment, Rossi calls Hotch to tell him about this nutbag professor <laughs> that they've uh, come up with. Uh, tells him the story, the fact that the photos have all been manipulated so you can't really see what's in them. But he says he killed them and he says that there's five more victims and we can save them in nine hours. Hotch wants to know if he, Rossi thinks the guy is for real. And Hotch says, I mean, uh, Rossi says, yes, I, I get some some kind of hinky vibe off him. I, I, I think he's probably telling the truth, so I'm, I'm bringing him in. And uh, he tells Hotch that he's going to send some photos, send some shots of the photos to Garcia to start analyzing. And uh, he'll be back in a little while. 
And that's pretty much that scene's scene. So now we can cut over to Garcia's office. Yeah, her name's been mentioned, so she can be summoned. Exactly. <laughs> she only needs one name. Like, like, she's not Beetlejuice. She only needs to be mentioned once. <laughs> and uh, she's having a conversation with Kevin Lynch. I'm glad to see him back. Uh, but I guess they're having a talk. My guess is that the question was, so what's your favorite superhero? <laughs> and uh, and uh, Garcia has come up with a tank, tank girl. And so they're, they're having a little conversation about that. Garcia, it's all, you know, female power, basically, and a, a fun little conversation about Tank Girl. It's a nice little nerd out conversation. Yeah. And Hutch interrupts them and Lynch immediately tries to pretend like he was there trying to get some work done or something. And Garcia is just like, uh, you don't have to lie to him. And uh, Hutch is like, look, if Garcia is not busy, Kevin, you can visit. And uh, then he immediately starts telling Garcia about the incoming photos from Rossi and how she needs to uh, analyze them, see if there's anything they can find, possible homicide victims. Hodge doesn't know the details yet, but the clock may be ticking. And then he looks over at Kevin, who's still sort of standing there listening. And he's, uh, Kevin? And Kevin says, uh, yeah. He says, she's busy now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, which is I, this, good. This was such a beautifully crafted scene. I got to say, yeah. like, forget the rest of the episode. I, I, this is what I come for Chrome Eyes for. <laughs> is, this, right. is this character stuff? It's like, oh, oh, nothing. We weren't doing anything. It's all right, Kevin. You can, if she's not busy, you can come. It, it, it's, all, it's all good. Kevin, she's busy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect scene. Get out. Good Boom. Scene. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. So then we cut to Reed, Rossi, and Professor Rothschild in the car driving back. And he's kind of dodgy. They're like, uh, you said you're a professor at Strayer. And he said, no. And they're like, well, you didn't introduce yourself as professor, right? And he's sort of toying with them. He's like, your degree in philosophy surprises me, Dr. Reed. Doesn't fit with the mathematics and engineering. Reed says he likes it because there's no right or wrong answers. And Professor says, oh, well, without right or wrong, how would we recognize perfection? <laughs> oh, brother. Um, it's a very long, long drive. Yeah. It's a very long scene where it's pretty much, it's the professor uh, glad-handing Reed at every opportunity and dismissing and poo-pooing anything that Rossi says and... It's almost like he's on a date with these two women and he's supporting one and, and, and negging the other. <laughs> good, very good metaphor. Uh, yeah, basically, he's telling uh, Rossi he's, he's, he's a dummy. Um, he says, you don't have the intellectual capacity to grasp what's going on here. And Rossi's like, dude, you can try to piss me off, but that doesn't really work. Oddly enough, I think it did work, but... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Russ, Rusty talks a good game. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're not hurting my feelings, jerk-off scumbag. <laughs> and, and the question for him is, if, if he killed seven women without leaving any kind of trace of evidence, why did he bother turning himself in? And so he says, imagine what, have the, what the world would have missed if da Vinci never showed his work. He clearly thinks a lot of himself. <laughs> yes, he does. We uh, then cut over to Agent Todd's office. Prentice comes in. Agent Todd still is a little bit defensive and, and mad from before, but she seems to settle down and 
basically she realizes Prentice is there to just check up on her, even though Prentice was kind of trying to play it off like she was there to to get the report. But the report wouldn't have come to Agent Todd anyway. So she understands that she's just checking up on her. And um, but she's friendly about it and says, you know, thank you for checking up on me. And if you need anything, I'm around, basically. Yeah, I think this is just a nice way of, of showing her, like, look, don't just be sitting in the office and think we're allowed to get you. <laughs> like, just And she realizes it. So it's a nice little bonding moment for the two of them. So it's now later uh, back at the BAU office and Reed and Rossi are bringing in Rothschild. And as we as they do. It is time for exposition news. <laughs> yes, nothing but the plot points you need all the time here on Exposition News. Yes. Earlier this morning, police were contacted and informed that Kylie Robinson, or Kaylee Robinson, ran a daycare center out of her home, has been abducted with four children. So that's who our missing woman is and the kids. And... uh they just they decide okay this must be the five victims he was talking about that we can save uh, apparently she was abducted that morning in Loretto Virginia and those five are missing and Rossi just turns to the professor and says are those the five more and the professor says are you pissed off yet David and then we get some flash cuts of Kylie and the kids in the container screaming etc Yada, 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 yada. It's funny yada. that I'm saying that. <laughs> but, but, yeah. uh, we go yes. to a break. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just like that, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> How many more references can we fit in? Well, we got time. Uh, yeah. A nice, nice, nice little use of the exposition to, like, hurry this thing along. <laughs> right. We come back to the BAU, and Rossi is... And Morgan are in there uh, interrogating Rothschild. And Rothschild is still goading Rossi about his IQ. Also, Rossi notices that he's wearing a, a, a pendant that has some sort of strange geometric shape on it. He's wondering what that could mean. And meanwhile, the professor is just straight smack talking Rossi. So Morgan decides to get down to the details. He starts reading him his rights says, do you understand this rights? And he's, the professor's ignoring Morgan, so he slams his hand. Now, do you understand your rights? Rothschild says, perfectly, I can have a lawyer. No, thank you, I don't want it. Some games are just intended to be played by higher intellects. <laughs> so he's uh, just straight up talking smack and... Oh, he's treating them like, he's so condescending to these two. Like, yes, Morgan, you're just the muscle meathead. I don't need to talk to you. And... Yeah. Oh, what is this? It's called a pendant. I would thought you'd know what a pendant is. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so they start to leave and the professor says, oh, bring Dr. Reed back with you. As if Reed is the only one smart enough to, to deal with him. Certainly the only one who can uh, appreciate his uh, level of existentialist light bulb humor. <laughs> And this was my biggest laugh of, of the episode, among many, but my biggest laugh was the cut back to Dr. Reed, as they have now clearly told him that he, he is wanted, and he says, uh, he never has any normal fans. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm like, you are correct, sir. Hey, remember, remember the last time he had a fan stop him on the subway? <laughs> it turned uh, out to be his psycho, uh, psycho killer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, boy. 
So we have uh, Rossi, Morgan, Hotch, and Reed outside of the interrogation room. They're discussing the next steps and, and what's up with this guy. He clearly loves attention, has a God complex. We can probably get him to give up something about Kylie and the kids. Uh, they say it's it's one forty-five, so they have till 10 o'clock, but they, they need to hurry up and, and get some kind of button to, to push him. Um, maybe they can go back to the seven original homicides and through checking on them, they might be able to figure out to how to show a, a crime was committed, even, even though they know that he's saying that there's no evidence, but maybe they can figure it out. They can try to identify the women. And if they have the names, maybe that'll shake them up a little bit. So they're yeah, I, I going to do like- I like this because we know who the unsub is in this case, and so do they. So, like, you don't need to profile. Um, <laughs> they know it, but I like the fact that they're going to reverse profile. Like, right. oh, now we do know the unsub. We don't know the victims. So let's try to see what who would his victims be. I, I, I like the fact that they're at least theoretically. It's, it's an interesting concept. Right, and we uh, flash back to Kylie uh, and the kids in the container. And all of a sudden we hear a familiar seeping noise of seeping gas and some gas masks, oxygen masks drop down from the ceiling like they're on planes. So she gets all the kids to uh, go grab a mask and breathe in that air. Indeed. Yes, the gas mask dropped from the ceiling like a junior mint from an operating theater. (laughs) 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 It's going to keep happening, isn't it? Just all, uh, yeah. We go back to the office and Garcia hasn't been able to narrow down the women in the pictures yet. There's obviously thousands of missing women around the country. So they they discuss it and they figure out that since Kylie was abducted at 930 in the morning, he had to take them somewhere he had to have a good place to stash that many people and yet still make it over to the university campus about two hours later. So he probably has a house. He's probably a local and Reed mentions, well, he was a little bit late for the presentation. So he got there around noon. So um, they asked Garcia to try to figure out from a map what the furthest point was from Fredericksburg that, that he was, so they can narrow down their area basically. Yeah. I mean, this is usually what Reed does, but because uh, he's the map guy, right. so I think that's a little odd. But I, I do like the fact that okay, yeah, this is where she was taken. We know he was here at this time, so get your compass out, draw like a two and a half hour circle, and start working from there. It makes sense. One thing that Garcia could find in the pictures that was a commonality was that all of them appeared to be brunettes, and so is Kylie. So. They said, okay, why don't we start looking for brunettes from the central Virginia area that are missing? They don't have any prints on this guy, so he's clearly never been arrested. And he also couldn't have done a lot of things that would require fingerprints, such as have a passport, be in the military. Uh, apparently, teachers are fingerprinted. I didn't know that. but Yes, and, yeah. and, and, and even, even volunteers, if you're just volunteering to like uh, coach a team or uh, maybe chaperone a marching band or something like that. Like you, you have to get fingerprinted. So, yeah, that's good. So I can say I learned something, something this episode did teach me something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. So 
they figure out if he doesn't teach yet, um, maybe he's a researcher, maybe he's on some kind of grant. So they tell Garcia there must be some sort of central grant database. <laughs> and she kind of <laughs> starts to like say, hey, wait a minute. But she uh, she holds it in. She doesn't. <laughs> she just says she'll look into it. And uh, they know that this guy is kind of crazy, uh, narcissist, I should say, uh, remorseless psychopath. So they're going to try to see if they can figure out how he met them. And also he they have uh, Agent Todd contact the Loretto PD so they can try to consult on the Kylie Robinson case. And Hotch is like, you know, be nice to them. They don't have to let us do anything, you know. And uh, you and Morgan go down there and find out what you can. And they look at each other like, oh, cool. Ah, Great. I got to go with this guy. Great. I got to go with this lady. (laughs) And uh, Prentice and Hotch are going to go in there, it looks like, and do the interrogation. And Reed is asking, well, what about him? And nope, they're not. He's not going to be in the room. Rossi explains, look, this is what what he wants. He wants you to play with him. We're going to have to knock him off his game. We're not going to give him what he wants, basically. I mean, that's interrogation 101. I, 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 I know it comes up a lot in criminal minds. Has it come up yet that you don't give them what they want? You always zig when they're checking the zag? I feel like it has. <laughs> I mean, I've, like I said, I've seen every episode of this show. It comes up a lot. You know, every time it comes up, I'm like, you know this, people. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, if Todd had said something like, wait, why don't you? Get, okay, it's her first day. You know, maybe I would, I would say, okay, fine. But, uh yeah. Next, we cut over to Garcia's office. She's still trying to figure out, uh, you know, what they asked her to figure out. But while she's working on that, all of a sudden she gets an email and uh, it's a live feed from the camera uh, of Kylie and the kids breathing in their oxygen masks. So she freaks out and, and runs out of the room to go tell everyone what's going on. Yeah, it come. I mean... I would say normally I would criticize this because this mysterious link from goldenrat.net comes up and she just clicks on it. Normally I'd be like, you don't just click on a random link that shows up, but like, this is Garcia. It, 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 even if it was the worst virus in the world, she could figure out how to counteract it immediately. So she's allowed. So we go back to the interrogation room and Rossi enters and the professor is like, well, where's Dr. Reed? And Rossi's like, oh, busy. And then, of course, this does sort of set off the professor. He's like, uh, you have something going on more important than me? And Rossi says, my dry cleaning is more important than you. Damn, uh, yo. And uh, the professor is like, well, that's very hostile. And Rossi starts digging into him. I, You're just a big mouth wannabe. You don't have the guts to uh, do anything at all about this. And uh, so the professor is like, uh, I guess I'm free to go then because And then he says, I I didn't spend the last five years of my life working on a masterpiece just to be bluffed out by you. And you don't even have a hand to play. And he starts to like go to the door. like (laughs) You don't have hand? (laughs) Uh (laughs) You don't have hand. You don't think I'm sponge worthy? I'm out of here. (laughs) Uh, And uh, they open the door and that's where Agent Prentice, beautiful brunette Agent Prentice is standing and automatically... The professor kind of shirks back and, and has a reaction to her. Are you saying that he he, he suffers from shrinkage? She suffers from shrinkage, yes. <laughs> She's like, do I make you nervous? And and Rossi's like, I, it's okay. Uh, we got everything we need to know now. 
this isn't a man who's going to be able to confront a woman on equal footing. He sneaks up on him, gets him from behind, bliss attacks. Uh, the original seven victims, uh, they were alone when they came up missing. He must, they must have had a routine and he must have watched them hiding in the weeds like a snake, like a coward. And the professor's like, you know what? That was a waste of your precious time. And Rossi's like, oh, it's all part of the game now, isn't it? You, you think, and uh, that's when <laughs> rules, there have to be <laughs> rules. And Rossi didn't know the rules because we're going to see some flashing to the containers and something drips down. And clearly it's the acid he was talking about. It burns when it, it drops on Kylie's skin. And we see a door in the container closing off, separating one girl from the rest of them. And they're screaming. And meanwhile, the professor is saying, I told you that in less than 10 hours, another five people would be dead. But I never said that they would die at the same time. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he doesn't even know which one is is dead. He says, I wonder which one it is. And... uh Guess what? These are the rules. Every two hours, one of them is going to die. Now you know what's going on. We see, we flash back to Kylie yelling for Chelsea, who was the the one that got separated, I, I, I guess. Rossi's like, Rossi does appear to be somewhat disturbed and like, obviously, as you would be if you think that you just got someone killed. Yeah, pretty much either a young child or, or, or you know, the, the teacher, which would be even worse because that means the, the kids are now by themselves. Right. He asks him if there's anything else he needs to know. And the professor says, only that I'm rooting for you, David. <laughs> Delightful. Uh, See, now he's coming off as a villain. Yeah. Like this scene, he pulls off the, the, the menace and the villain. Even though all yeah. I can see is, is Jason Alexander... <sighs> huckstering with some chicken uh, as Colonel Sanders. Oh, yeah, yeah. So after a bit of a break, we're back in Garcia's office and she's talking to Hotch. She's pointing out the facts. Uh, she's showing the, in the, the camera the stream that's coming in and Hotch says, oh, there's only three children. And Garcia says, oh, well, there was four when I got up to go get you. And Prentice brings up the gas masks and they wonder what they're there for. And Hotch points out how evenly all of them are spaced out. So apparently the masks are there to keep them isolated in a specific position, a place, basically. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense that we, we know what's going on. So it's, it's, it's quick way, shorthand for them to figure it out very quickly there. Mm-hmm. And uh, now all they have to do is figure out who, who all those seven missing women are <laughs> so they can save these four I, missing kids. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Reed and Rossi do enter... And explain to him that that one of the kids is, is already dead, according to uh, the professor. And Garcia explains to them about the anonymous email she just got. And Rossi explains what he said the rules were: that one will die every five hours, and he every two hours. I'm sorry, every two hours. And uh, when he said ten hours, Rossi starts to say he just assumed, and Reed is like, "Oh, it's." It's like a chess game. He's two moves ahead of us. And Hotch says, look, look, guys, come on. Let's stay on topic, basically. How are we doing with the seven women? Garcia's narrowed it down to 39 missing brunettes in central Virginia. And so Hotch says, okay, well, let's say 30 years old like Kylie, because narcissists tend to be, you know, prefer the same type. That narrows it down to 28. 
Garcia says, okay, he said he's been working on this for the last five years. So that narrows Garcia's list down to 17. How about we narrow it down to just the women whose names rhyme with a body part? <laughs> <laughs> Kylie, Thiney. It works. It works. <laughs> it's still, yeah, it can still be. You're correct. So, yeah, they're going to try to figure out who these seven are. Uh, how much time do they have for the for the next one? They've got an hour and 48 minutes. So they're going to continue working. And meanwhile, Hotch says he's going to talk to uh, Rossi privately for a moment. And basically, he's trying to say, you know, maybe we should give Reed a shot to go in there. And Rossi takes this as like, wait a minute, you think he's smarter than me? And no, yes. no, that's not what he's saying, even though, yeah, he probably should have nodded his head. Uh, that's not what he's saying. But Rossi is adamant they're not going to change their approach in midstream. He has a rapport, rapport with this guy. It's his interview. So Hotch just agrees to it. I think this is really good leadership on Hotch's part as well, because he's, he's basically giving him an out if he's so shaken that, you know, it's like, so I, you're not quitting. I'm saying we're going to send Reed in. And he's like, what the? No. But if he had said, all right, yeah, we could try it, then he, he saves face. So it's a nice way of, of deferring to Rossi's decision here without forcing him to make the decision. Right. We get a quick scene of, of Agent Todd and Agent Morgan driving to uh, the, the scene where they're going. And basically, Agent Todd is still sort of talking like, like a you guys and me as if they're separate entities instead of they as a team, which is the point that Morgan tries to get across to her. They're all a member of the same team, basically. Yeah, say I, I, say we. Was, it was scripted very well. She's like, okay, I'm sorry. I said interested. I'm sorry. I, I didn't care you said interested. You said right. they were interested. We're a we. Right. Us being us. And you and I. Are we in a... No, you go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> player, player. <laughs> we cut back to the interrogation room. Rossi is back in there with the professor. And the professor is saying, well, do you know I was born with an extra Y chromosome? <laughs> and uh, actually, I guess there's a theory that's that, according to Rossi, has been debunked. If you have that extra Y chromosome, you're more likely to be a killer. Yeah, you know this is this is what you can get you can get data to say anything, and they analyzed at one point there was this big thing where they analyzed the genetical makeup of fifteen serial killers, and like four of them had XXY, and like well that's statistically significant. Yeah, in a group of fifteen, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know how many are there? Like so, yeah, yeah. And basically, Rossi's point is. Killing someone or not killing someone is a choice. And if those people die, it's because you made it happen. You chose to make it happen. Meanwhile, Hotch is going over the missing missing women reports with Reed and Garcia. Uh, we didn't see the work, but apparently they've already got six of them identified. Thank goodness, <laughs> because this episode needs to pick up a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, we cut over to uh, Todd Morgan, who arrive at the daycare center slash crime scene. They look over and see what appears to be one of the husbands, maybe one of the fathers or whatever. I, I think it's the husband of the teacher, actually. Yeah, it's Kaylee's, yeah. Uh, Kylie, Kylie's husband, yeah. Yeah, so uh, she goes to talk to him. Meanwhile, Morgan goes in the house. 
Uh, and he notices that the toys are arranged in a strange geometric okay. pattern. He doesn't notice the toys. The toys are arranged in a strange shape. Anybody yeah. would, would, would notice. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm just saying, let's look at more clever credit detective here. work. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. Th this is one of those things that had the BIU, BAU been invited on the case, this would be the first picture they would have gotten <laughs> from the cops right. going, and look at this, it's strange, which is why we invited you in. But since they pushed their way in. <laughs> right. So uh, Morgan does take that picture and is, is going to send it back. But, but meanwhile, we flash over to the container with Kylie and the kids. And uh, she's basically yelling at one of the furthest the, the kid that's at the furthest end of the container to switch places. So they presumably she can be in danger before the rest of the kids. If yeah. the doors are going to cut off like they did and, and cut them off one by one. It, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's nice that she does that. Certainly it's, is she smart enough to have figured out that that would be the next one and not the one that she was already in? Cause she was closest to the front. Like what, you know, does she know they're being filmed? I guess she does. Right. Because, you know, if, if, oh, if they blocked off the first one, then the camera would be cut off. <laughs> right. From, from the, so it has to be the back. Did she figure it out or is she just guessing? I, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's not relevant, but it's just, it just an interesting choice <laughs> to harp on it. After that, we cut back to the team going over the victims and they immediately figure out that three of the victims that they've identified all come from the same town, Saluda. And then another two come from someplace called Gloucester Point. And then that's when Reed gets the picture from Morgan of the shot of the toys. And, and I will say, normally I would say, uh, why did it take so long? But because he was using one of those old flip phones, <laughs> <laughs> the amount of time it would take to upload that photo probably does track with how long it took for Reed to get it. <laughs> right. And the picture... Sends Reed into one of his, oh, I know something. I, I'm, I'm, I'm working it out in my head. And then we get the very criminal minds shot of Reed going up to the whiteboard and figuring it out. And the camera's panning behind Reed. And all of a sudden, he's floating in space. <laughs> I, I, like to, I think this is where suddenly Reed becomes Neil deGrasse Tyson hosting Cosmos. <laughs> yeah. The universe is a vast place with mysteries of mathematics all around us. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Reed is talking it through. He's like, let's see. There's something, something... It, Something is is weird here. There's, uh, let's see, one, two, one, one, two, three, five, uh, and the picture of the Vitruvian man flashes. Like it's it's a bunch. It's it's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's yeah. It's visually. It's trying to make something interesting. Where it's just re going. Hmm. Hey, wait a second. I know what this is. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He then he's figured it out. He. It, Runs into the interrogation room and, and snatches the pendant from uh, the professor's neck and says, I know where to find them. Reed comes in. He asks Garcia to put a map of Virginia on the screen. And uh, he's going to talk about an irrational number known as phi. It's fee. 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 It's basically the golden ratio, which then perfectly lines up, obviously, with the golden rat that was on the... Sure. Everything, everything is going to make sense here. It's it, 
<laughs> and it all ties into the Fibonacci sequence. And if you take the, the ratios of the numbers in the Fibonacci sequence, they digress towards phi, it, you know, diverge towards phi. It's, it's, it's a whole big mathematical thing. And he's going to explain it to us because none of us understand it. I mean, I understand that I was a math minor, but, you know, certainly there's no way Reed would have been able to figure out that he needed to grab the pendant. And there's no way that Garcia would have had a program that, hey, put up a map, now hit a button and all of a sudden, blink, all of the places that we are looking at appear and blink, suddenly she can project the pendant on, like, all right, that's TV magic, fine. Let's just get on with it. It's related to the Fibonacci sequence. It makes a spiral. If you put the spiral on the map, we know exactly, I know exactly where the kids are. Exactly. Yeah, that's one of those things that just watch the scene. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's suddenly it's Chester, Virginia. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so Hodge is going to have them get the, the chopper ready and make sure that they tell uh, Todd and Morgan to go over to drive over to Chester. And Reed and Prentice and Hodge are going to go over to Chester. And Rossi is saying there's, there's still something that, that's bugging me about this whole thing. We now cut to Rossi has gone into the professor in the interrogation room, and he says, uh, Chester, Virginia, kind of smug, like, aha, we got you. <laughs> and uh, and the professor's like, what? And, and Rossi says, yeah, the whole team is going there. They'll be there before your next deadline. You lose, is basically how he phrases it. And uh, he asks the professor, is this all about just a geometric pattern? And the fee is so much more than the geometric pattern, David. <laughs> he asks him if he killed them because the, the, the first seven women, because they were beautiful. And uh, he's trying to, basically, he's trying to understand the whole math thing. And we have uh, Jason Alexander basically doing a monologue on math and beauty and humanity and homo sapiens sapiens. Is it actually... Is that actually what it is? Because I've yeah, never seen it. Yeah, we're Homo sapiens sapiens. Yeah. I'm, I'm mad at that. But uh, the literal <laughs> translation of that is man, wise, wise. Doubly and wise. <laughs> think about that. We named ourselves doubly wise. And I have an extra Y chromosome. I'm doubly wise too. <laughs> Basically, he hates humanity and he knows Rossi does too because he's read his books. And in fact, he incites his first book, Chapter 3, page 89, 1389, all Fibonacci numbers. And it says, the first time I saw one of William Grace's victims, I knew I was looking at the residue of pure evil, and I would never again feel completely safe around a human being. And Rossi's like, wait a minute, this is all about my books? What, <laughs> what's happening here? And the professor says, like you, I know exactly what human beings are capable of. This whole time, through all of this, we're going to cut to the team closing in on the site in their various modes of travel, the, the squad in the helicopter and, and the squad in the car, Morgan and, and, and Todd in the car. Then the professor is talking about another book of Rossi's where Rossi is saying, you know, we can't deter violence with more violence, but that's not why I believe in the death penalty we also flash to that computer room with all the art in it so we know that the team is is pulling up on the house. And uh, he says, he's still quoting Rossi's book, People are some people are so violent, so evil, society has no choice but to be done with them. 
vengeance is something that society needs from time to time if, if for no other purpose than to keep the rest of us sane. The, both cars with the teams pull up at the exact same time to the house. Of course they do. Because... Because television. Yeah. <laughs> Garcia comes into the uh, interrogation room. Sir, you're right. They found the house. They're going inside now. And the professor continues monologuing. <laughs> and vengeance keeps us sane. What a fascinating statement. And I'm about to have my vengeance. And he tells him that the, the team isn't going to make it out of the house. It was never about that perfect woman or those wonderful children. It's all about your team, your little merry band of five. They complete my sequence. And so Rossi, oh no, he figures what's happening, but it's too late. He calls Garcia to get Hotch on the phone. They can't reach him. And uh, the professor's like, it's too late, David. The minute they stepped into that house, they were dead. I knew if I kept prodding you, you'd rise to my challenge. She's, Garcia says, Hotch isn't answering. And, and Rossi's like, try Morgan. And he said, the professor says, I knew you would insist on being in the room alone, room alone with me. I knew you would try to beat me, and I knew you would send them all out there. And then he's, Garcia and him, let's try, Gar- try, re, try Prentice, try everyone. It's a trap. It's a trap. Uh, stop. <laughs> it's a trap. And, uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, much speech. Turns out that the professor's brother was William Grace that he mentioned earlier. And basically, Rossi is responsible for ruining his life because yeah, his he, brother he was, was a serial killer. His brother, he caught him. It was his brother. And it ruined his life because everyone thought, well, if he's a serial killer, maybe you're a serial killer, too, because like brother, like brother. And my fiance left me and my wife is my life is ruined. And it, uh, so I figured, why not be a serial killer? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, his uh, wife was a brunette, so then now he started getting these crazy thoughts, these crazy ideas, and uh, he realized that his brother wasn't the only serial killer. He shared the same genetics that Rossi so casually dismisses, and so he started a new life, and then something was missing, even though he was having his fun killing, and then he realized it was the man that ruined his life, David Rossi. He realized that he needed to have vengeance. And so he's getting uncomfortably close. He's like whispering in his ear at this point. Uh, Yes, I killed those 12 people all because of you. You took my family and I took yours. And of course, that's when he says into his little speaker or whatever. Somehow he's got a mic there. uh, Did you get all that? Garcia is like, yep, every word. Uh, he says, yep, make copies before we give it to the U.S. attorney. This, is a, this would make a pretty good teaching aid. And Jason Alexander is looking like, what the what? <laughs> teaching? And Rossi's like, yeah, I, I teach interrogation at the FBI Academy. I kind of like the aside way that he said this. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, because I'm smart and you're not, dummy. Yeah. So I just got you to confess to the, to, to the murders, you see. And... and <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He rings up Hotch. Hotch answers. He got it, right? He's like, yeah, we found the acid tanks around the back. That would have uh, covered the whole area outside the room. There were spigots everywhere. The entry was booby-trapped. So we didn't fall to that trap, and we got Kylie and the kids. Everybody's fine. And you were right. They, They were just decoys. Rossi points out it was Reed who figured out the obsession with the numbers. He wasn't going to kill 10 people. 
That wouldn't be in the pattern. It's not a Fibonacci uh, number. Yeah, okay, look. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine with Rossi getting, you know, using his years of experience to realize, you know, that something's something's off about this guy. Maybe it's a trap. Hey, before you go in, let's just check and make sure it's not a trap. Uh, I'm fine with all of that. But how in the hell? I don't care how much research that this schmuck professor did, is he going to know that five people from the BAU are going to go into that and just five people? Because it has to be five people for him to fit the pattern. Right. Like, even if he's carefully and done his research and planned this for, for months, for years, for this moment, JJ just went on maternity. She could very easily not have been there. Could only have been four who <laughs> went. Or does Garcia go along with Todd and now there's six? Like, he has no way of knowing that only five people are going to go in there and die. This makes no sense. <laughs> but it's poetic. Oh, it's nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, just, the whole thing is just complete and utter bucky. <laughs> yeah, so... So basically, they have his confession recorded. So even though they uh, can't do anything about it, there's not going to be murder for the Kylie and the kids, but they're going to face the, he's going to face the murder charges on the seven women. And Jason Alexander is still thinking, though, they don't have evidence. And Rossi is like, yeah, but videotape confession has power to move a lot of jurors. And so he starts to walk away kind of smugly. Jason Alexander tries to go in for a quick attack. <laughs> just just the way the camera the camera turns he goes ah! yes <laughs> the slow mo ah! it's just nonsense <laughs> and he's not scary i yeah well okay i'm fine with him not being scary cuz he's not scary and i think the only thing that saves this for me is that rossi is so pathetically upset during the the fake oh my gosh my team is dying sequence like what math why what did you do my team oh and then he gets the confession and he's instantly like yeah you're you're not important yeah <laughs> like what 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 yeah yeah you're nothing i don't care <laughs> so i i do like that that the fact that he isn't scary and so uh yeah rossi leans in and and, and talks to him like like he was talking to Rossi before, you know what, when when they're going to strap you down for that lethal injection, uh, just before they hit the plunger, I'm going to lean in really close to tell you to say hello to your scumbag brother. So vengeance in a way. Um, yeah. On, on yeah. Scott. Uh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, look, this episode is, is much more, like I said, it's art, it's the concepts, it's, it's, a, it's clever idea. The execution. <laughs> uh, yeah. We cut back to outside of the house, and and Morgan is talking with Todd. He's saying, "Well, that's the you know first time basically you worked with the solo. What did you think?" And she's like, "They don't always turn out so well, do they?" And he said, "I wish." Morgan says, "I wish." Uh, she tries to apologize, saying she was out of line, but Morgan tells her, "No, actually, you were absolutely right. I shouldn't have jumped in like that." Don't worry, it won't happen again. Then she asks him, uh, what about calling that other detective? What about that other case? You, you made your word to that detective that you were going to call him Mr. Supervisor. Uh, Morgan's like, oh, man, I ain't, I ain't never going to catch a break with you. 
And she's sort of teasing him at this point. I can dial his number for you if you like, you know. Uh, it's cute. It's a cute it's a cute yeah. little button to the whole Morgan Todd first day on the job. Will they, won't they, that you have picked up on. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, I'm not the only one because Reed and Prentice give a little sort of, oh, this is going to be a little interesting, isn't it? Ha, 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 kind of nod at them uh, as, they're, as they're walking off. And then we cut back to the uh, office where Rothschild is being escorted away, but there's time for him to look at Rossi and Rossi to look back him at him giving us, you know, giving us, uh, giving us much drama as they, as he's finally escorted out and Rossi gives our end quote for the episode. It is man must evolve for all human conflict, a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, that's such a hacky quote. <laughs> it's so hacky to, to end with Martin Luther King Jr. in this episode. Really? Yeah. That was a little much. I was like, come on now. Come on now. Uh, look, it's a fine episode. It's entertaining. It's right. silly. It, it's, it's not great television by any stretch of the imagination. But it's fun in its own little way. So I, I enjoy it. And like I said, it's so preposterous seeing Jason Alexander in this role that, yeah, it does take you completely out of the episode. But I think that's better because I don't think I would have bought the episode if I was, like, taking it seriously. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to remember this episode far more than I remember plenty of the episodes that we've watched already. There you go. <laughs> so that's something. Well, I think I know where this is going to go, but let's uh, take out our barometer and uh, do what we do at the end of each show and decide if the team won this particular episode. I mean, one could argue that there was nobody in danger at all in this episode because <laughs> the five people were just a decoy. I mean, I suppose they would have had to get them eventually, otherwise they would have starved to death. But, I mean, they were never really in any danger. And, yeah, the unsub kind of walked up to them and said, hi, I'm the unsub. <laughs> but, I mean, all that considered, yeah, this is pretty much the easiest win they're going to get when the unsub just walks in and says, hey, could you please arrest me for doing these crimes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a different kind of case this week. It was a different yeah. kind of case. It was a win. But, you know, you're not going to get laughs like this every week. <laughs> All right, but it, what it wasn't was a uh, show about nothing. Uh, this is true, because <laughs> fee is a little bit more than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fun. Let's do the little <laughs> section that we like to do at the end of the episode, uh, where we sort of tease out what happens next week, unless you have something else, AJ, but I, I'm assuming that's oh, what no, we're going to no, do. No. I, think, I think the faster we move away from, from this... <laughs> next yeah. week michael richards no i'm kidding, kidding. <laughs> oh no <laughs> that would be something uh yeah of, of, of all the seinfeld episodes we get this is one and only one of them uh yes all right so let's uh let's see if we can uh, figure out what next week's episode's gonna be i'm gonna ask you this wonderful question okay todd can you tell me which of the following choices is the plot of season four Episode 9, entitled 52 Pickup. 52 
pickup. Is it A, a bunch of homeless people start turning up dead and the main suspect is a viral street magician? Is it B? Atlantic City, here we come. Who knew that a superstitious gambler could be so homicidal? Is it C? Blackmailers target a successful construction magnate whose wife is running for city council. Or is it D? When a series of single ladies start dying, the culprit appears to be quite the pickup artist. Uh, as usual, AJ, I don't know, but... <laughs> uh, just because I think it would be fun if they went to this particular part of the New Jersey state, I'm going to say choice B. They're going to go to Atlantic City. Uh, where, uh, could you describe it again? The, the uh, suicide, uh, superstitious uh, gambler yes. is homicidal. Yes. Yes. The homicidal superstitious gambler. Indeed. Indeed. Now that might make a very fine episode of Criminal Minds someday. <laughs> but today is not that day. <sighs> and I will also say it is not blackmailers target a successful construction magnate whose wife is running for city council for that is the plot of the movie 52 pickup starring Roy Scheider mm. okay <laughs> yes which I, I remember renting back in the day from from blockbuster no Roy Scheider yes I think we need a better plot <laughs> no 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 brace yourself for all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Yes, the culprit of a series of single ladies dying is quite the pickup artist. Mm. Well, you know, AJ, with the, that kind of teaser, I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And uh, all right. Thank you so much. That's uh, guess what? That's the show for this week. What? <laughs> yeah, we usually end after uh, after that <laughs> segment. Uh, I don't know. Are we gonna, are we going to stick to the pattern? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, thanks everybody for hanging out with us. Hope you had a good time. As usual, please be sure to subscribe to rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You give it a one, a one, a two, a three, a five, an eight, a thirteen, a twenty-one, yes. a thirty-four, a fifty-five. <laughs> Ooh, yes, Fibonacci pundits. You can also write to us at philoniuspundits at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore pundits. For AJ Mass, this is Kentad's Fensgard saying goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up. There is no one who is without fault and circumspect in all matters. Leonardo Fibonacci <laughs>